This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're smashing fucking alien monsters that look like brains as we're talking spine number 92 in the Criterion Collection, Fiend Without a Face from 1958, directed by Arthur Crabtree. But first, RJ, how's it going? Mm. I mean, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. Is that how you're going to start the podcast this week? Yep. Oh. No, no big hot leading question. Man, we've really lost uh, the will to continue, eh? Mm-hmm. Is this the end of the Criterion Creeps? <laughs> any any episode could be our last. That's true. That's true. Uh, hey, Happy New Year, you jerk. Happy New Year. Happy it's only New three Year. days in. We can still say that. Yeah. We got a good week before it gets uh, played out. You know, I had someone say Happy New Year to me uh, the day before New Year's. Hmm. Like, uh, like t- on ah, on uh, December 30th, someone said Happy New Year to me. And I felt like that was way too early. In, ca- in case people were wondering with that weird little scream that <laughs> RJ just gave out, uh, his cat is climbing all over him. And uh, RJ's just allowing this to happen. I made her a bed on uh, on the boxes over there. Look, she likes it. Yeah. Hey, what do you mean I'm allowing it to happen? You can't control your pets. Your <laughs> you, pets control well, you, you, pal. You can certainly close the door. I can't close the door. <laughs> it's it's a very small room. Mm-hmm. Bad things would happen if the door was closed. Okay. They'd paw at it, and then they'd be meowing, and then you would hear them. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just hearing me, there's okay? Only, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> I, I know. I've done it. <laughs> Trust me, man. Okay. It's happened. No. So, uh, anyway, how was your, uh, you were talking about people wishing Happy New Year before New Year's, um, but maybe they're just, like, trying to say it, get it out there, because they're not going to see you, so. Yeah, but then, uh, but then they come off like a prick when they don't say it in the actual New Year. Mm. It's like, what's this guy? Not saying Happy New Year. Well. Not upholding social contract. It's kind of like fake news, but it's old news. Old news? Yeah. I don't know if I like the sounds of that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's pretty lame, Jared. Having a little sip of your soda, hey? That's right. Well, yeah, so what did you do for New Year's, Jared? Did you go to a party? Go out to the club? No, RJ, because it was like minus 38 degrees Celsius. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we did groceries in the morning and then mm-hmm. cooked dinner and stayed in, and it was great. Had some curry and mm-hmm. uh, watched movies. Mm. I heard it was the uh, coldest New Year's on record for our uh, creep town. I would definitely believe that because <laughs> it was so goddamn cold. Because when I woke up the next morning, our house was like 14 degrees. And that was like, it, that, was, that was the warmest it would get. Mm. It's, it sucked. You guys got like a bunch of fur coats or what do you do over there? Uh, we You just pray. <laughs> You pray. Yeah. That's the only way to conserve uh, warmth. Hey, well, hey, by the end, by the end of the day, it was like minus eleven. So prayer works, my friend. Oh, I know. You don't have to tell me. I just, <laughs> I, uh, I applaud your bravery. Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, admitting that it, uh, it actually worked for you. Yeah. Yeah. You should go back to a uh, school, but go through the Catholic schools now. Uh, See if you'd like it anymore. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Just be uh-huh. like, you know, you don't need to know how to do anything. You just make a wish, and then it happens. You don't have to work toward anything ever again. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that like the idea? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially. Hey, RJ, we, uh. we, we've got a, a deal that we've been promising for a couple of weeks we should probably get out of the way. What do you mean? Well, RJ, it's the end of the year, and now it's the new year, but mm. I think we need to talk about our top five movies we watched the whole year of 2017. And not these aren't the best films of 2017. These are just the mm-hmm. best movies that we watched this particular year. Um, yeah. I think that's better because every, every Joe Blow's got their top ten of the year. Yeah. And it's the same shit, I bet. Yep. Good Time, Mother, Blade Runner. Um, what's that good movie we watched a while ago? Uh, <laughs> some funny joke. Oh. Your 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 microphone came in and out there, buddy. You're gonna come in and out there, buddy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I was just making fun of people, but I didn't have any sweet jokes, so. Okay. So, uh, what's up with the lists? Run me through it, big dog. So, uh, so we put out the call, RJ, and uh, only one person heeded the call. <laughs> nice. Is uh, it a friend of the show? It sure is. Uh, our, our usual. Uh, friend of the show Oliver Granger he sent in his list mm-hmm. uh, entitled people have conversations uh, it's just that no mm-hmm. one wants to hear my top 10 movies I watched this year I also haven't had Facebook for a while now so I can't post it there this is in no order number one talk to her uh, directed by Pedro Almodovara uh, from 2002 I love this movie mm-hmm. but felt so bad afterwards when I realized I was rooting for a guy who raped a girl in a coma <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen that movie no. Oh, talk to her. Uh, is that Kill Bill Volume 1? Mm, yeah, it did come up before Kill Bill by a few years. And probably mm. Quentin Tarantino might have even gotten the idea from it. Uh, that's like, it's, it's, but it's done tastefully, RJ. Very tastefully. tastefully. You're all about tasteful rape. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> if you're going to have it, make it tasteful. <laughs> I, I don't buy it, Jared. That's what they all say. Yeah. And then it's like, and then real life happens. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, how could you do that? Well, and you'd be like, it, it was tasteful. It, it basically, it happens all off camera, and then you find out about it. It's, I guess, that's like a big spoiler of the movie. But the movie's also like 15 years old, going on 16. So, whatever. Uh, it's good mm-hmm. though. It's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, number okay. two here, Zardoz, directed by John Borman from 1974. Uh, he oh, just yeah. says, Google image search Sean Connery Zardoz. Um, I don't need to because I have seen that movie and I think I even, I do own the Blu-ray. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, it is Sean Connery in red underpants, rocking quite mm-hmm. the ponytail, quite the facial hair. Uh, hey. Have you have you watched Zardoz, RJ? I haven't, but one time I was at a family restaurant many years ago. Uh, it was a pasta house, and uh, the people who frequent this restaurant are usually over the age of 65. And I was sitting there, and there was a young kid with a, a big family, not young, like maybe 20, and uh, he was going on and on to his grandparents who did not fucking care about this movie Zardoz, about how it's so bad, it's just bad. He said, it's so bad, it's just bad, You got it's bad. And his grandparents are like, hey, man, we don't care, dude. Yeah. And uh, I want to turn around and be like, hey, man, that Zardoz looks pretty good. Why don't you <laughs> shut your fucking mouth? And then I knock over his spaghetti. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my Zardoz story. Well, there you go. Well, you should watch mm-hmm. that movie sometime. Maybe you'll agree with them. Maybe I would probably not. like it. It's got, a, it's... it's got a barfing floating statue head and it vomits Ooh. up guns. Hey, that sounds up my alley. Yeah. 
Number three, and the ship sails on, directed by Federico Fellini from '83. No, come on. Oliver writes, "I don't remember why I like this movie. I was probably just a sucker for that behind-the-scene shot." Fair Mm. enough. Mm -hmm. So so there's there's one creep movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number four was uh, Anomalisa. Uh, oh, yeah. Directed by that Kaufman and I guess really done by Duke Johnson who did all the stop motion stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably just sympathize with the main character. Um, my experience with Anomalisa was this movie was like really disappointing because mm-hmm. I, I love Charlie Kaufman like a lot. And uh, this this movie had been like worked down the pipe forever. I think it was even Kickstarter mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like it was like a big deal that he was working on this thing and the way he was working with it just sounded like there were so many possibilities. But then it was just kind of like kind of there. Mm, like me. Just like you. So much possibility. And now I'm just kind of here. A normal RJ. Mm. I haven't seen that yet, but he's my, my dude. So, yeah. One day. One day. Um, number five, F for Fake, directed by Orson Welles from 1973. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Who doesn't love meta movies? Uh, mm-hmm. I rewatched this actually in the last year or two, um, and like I remember really, really liking it. But on the rewatch, I was kind of like, I don't know, the magic had left. <laughs> uh, kind of like this podcast. Just like I'm going to keep podcast. making that joke for every movie that you bring up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Number six. Uh, I don't see if you have any thoughts about F for Fake. I've never seen it. Okay. Uh, number <laughs> six, The Evil Within, directed by Andrew Getty. Oh, yeah. Already nice. discussed, nice. and it was. Uh, yeah, this movie is uh, really cool. Yep. He brought it up to our attention during uh, Creeptober. That's right. And uh, we hammered that puppy out back then. We sure did. Uh, yep. Number seven, Star Trek The Motion Picture, picture directed by Robert Wise. Really? Uh, I was shocked at how much I love this movie. All 2001 fans should watch it. It's just as overindulgent. The introduction hmm. to the Enterprise rivals any of Kubrick's docking scenes. Uh, yeah, so Star Trek The Motion Picture, I like. I so don't like this movie. <laughs> um, my my biggest problem with this movie, and I, I do mm-hmm. like I like those Trek movies, and I like original Trek. Is this movie mm-hmm. like it takes away all agency of the star like of of the Starship Enterprise? All the characters mm-hmm. on it, they just like literally stand around and watch stuff happen, and that is the whole movie. They don't really do anything. It kind of like just dramatically isn't the most interesting movie. It looks good, but boy, mm-hmm. does it linger on the fact that it looks good way too much. It's just a doll movie. Uh, mm. Things pick up though with that Wrath of Khan. Hey, can I tell you something? Yeah. Can I give you a little New Year honesty? Uh, uh, I, I watched. Go what? ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I only saw the first like 20, 30 minutes of that movie and I fell asleep and I never finished it. Yep. Um, that sounds about right. Not to say that I might not enjoy it if I actually watch it one day, but well, yeah, there, there's a lot of orifices that open, and then the ship goes into. Man, the... is that all you're going to talk about today? Before <laughs> we even did the podcast, he was talking about all these holes he had to fill later, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" He had these weird dish gloves on. There's a bunch of oatmeal in the background. I don't know what the hell's going on. You're weird today. <sighs> Number eight, Tempopo. Uh, Juzu Itami. Uh, mm-hmm. The only note here is Noodle Western. Uh, yeah, so uh, I actually I just bought this on Blu-ray like a month or two ago, uh, yeah. and I was intending to watch it before the end of the year, but I failed. And uh, but I will watch it sooner than later. I've well, heard, you're a bad person. I've heard it's good. It's also in that Criterion collection, which means we'll mm. watch it again ten years from now. But uh, yep, this movie sounds cool. 
absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm curious about it. I don't know if I've really watched that many movies from like the Japanese eighties. Mm. Mm, I don't think I've yeah. probably seen any. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Majory Prime by Michael Michael Almereda from twenty from twenty seventeen. Whoa. Memory mm. is one of my favorite themes in movies and books. How is how it is unreliable and subjective. This is basically just a good Black Mirror episode. Hmm. I don't mm. know this movie. Sounds cool. Hey, uh, on a different subject, have you noticed that uh, Black Mirror is once again on Letterboxd? Oh. It's getting real old, man. Yeah, well, maybe this time it'll stick around just like... Um, it didn't last Twin time. Peaks The Return. Yeah, but it's a... It's uh once they cross that line though. Hmm. You know? Know what I mean? Uh yeah. Well, know what I mean, Noodle Broughton? I'm looking up this this movie. Uh, this is dead air. Uh, We're losing fans. No. That's weird. It didn't search what? I typed in I typed I searched Marjorie Prime. <sighs> A service creating holographic projections of late family members allows a woman to spend time with a younger version of her deceased husband. That is, mm-hmm. and it has John Hamm. <laughs> that that is, a... that is very uh, Black Mirror. Huh. Hey, uh, I think John Hamm's okay. He's fine. Yeah, I think he's okay. <laughs> this oh, is what our podcast has come to. It's it's uh, the director of Nausea that, like, Super pretentious uh, New York oh, vampire right. movie and uh, modern day Hamlet with Ethan Hawke and Bill Murray. Ooh, that movie you didn't know existed. Yeah, because it doesn't sound real. Yeah, cool. And one more, number ten, Kaidan, directed by Masaki Kobayashi. Oh, what? I love Japanese movies and ghost stories. It was almost certain I would love this one. Amazing set design. I can't believe he loved Quiedon. I don't think he heard our episode where I well, I have that sweet joke. He may have may have sent this in before we did their episode, but whatever. People mm-hmm. are entitled to their opinions, RJ. People As, are entitled <laughs> to their opinions. Yeah, uh, people can listen to that like whole episode we did on that movie um, and talk about how we nodded off. I think both of us. Different... Hey, Jarrett. Yeah, Quiedon, more like quite long. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Oliver. Uh, all right. So, RJ, mm. our top five. Want to go back and forth on these? Um, I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do, okay? okay. It's uh, your day, buddy. Well, okay. So, mine are in no particular order. Um, do, do you have any honorable mentions? Not really. Okay. People can always look at So, if people are interested on my letterbox, I have two lists. I've got my better films of... 2017 which are just mm-hmm. like the movies I watched in that calendar year that I think stand out is like hey these movies were pretty good uh, I don't like this idea of a best of list so I just kind of sure. these are the better movies these are movies that I liked and then I also have my fave first list which is just where I uh, anything I've watched for the very first time and I really liked I just make a note mm-hmm. of it on there I find those lists are always really helpful because I've, I've seen some other people on Letterbox have those and it's like when I'm looking for recommendations, when I come across a person on Letterboxd, and I'm like, hey, we have a, like similar like tastes, and I just, like, check out what else they like. So having that in all one place is just like helps sort through a lot of chafe, uh, a lot of stuff that I don't know. A lot of what? Chafe, RJ. It saves a lot of like going through and digging through a lot of bad movies and just getting to good stuff. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, well, lay it on me then. Okay, so first I will mention the this is actually a movie that we did on the show, and that was Knights of Kiberia, mm-hmm. directed by old Federico Fellini. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I still contend that this movie is like really amazing. Uh, it's still one of the better movies I've seen this year. Um, people could go back and listen to that episode. RJ and uh-huh. I, uh, you didn't dislike this movie. You just felt really indifferent to it. As if I recall yeah. correctly. Well, um, I thought she was annoying and I hate Fellini. <laughs> uh, no, I was in a really bad mood when I watched it and I was just like, whatever, I don't care. No. So I, I, I will rewatch it one day. Yeah. But yeah, no, I thought this movie was really good. Uh, mm-hmm. beautifully made. I love, I love the main character. Uh, I mean, RG doesn't like poor people. Uh, that's that's we all. That's like on record. He doesn't like women. Uh, so you got two, you can't start two, a new year two, with those two, lies two, again. Two strikes for this, and Fellini three strikes. It's out for RJ. But uh, if you like those three things, this movie's great. Um, like I said, like I hope it comes out like in Blu-ray or high def because it's only been available on the old DVD. Um, but yeah, we have a whole episode we could listen to that. Uh, oh, I guess I want to throw in an honorable mention. It would be Oliver Twist, RJ. Another one, mm. of your, another movie that we disagreed on. Maybe Those that's movies. Neither of them should get Blu-rays. <laughs> They're both bad. Both bad. Let them be forgotten by the collection forever. <laughs> that's only a million. Mm. Yeah, that one. All right, go for it, man. Uh, I was gonna. I'm gonna give you uh, my honorable mentions. I didn't include them because they're Criterion's, and people can listen to those episodes. Yeah. But uh, Passion of Joan of Arc. And Fishing with John. Those were two of my favorite movies this last year. Okay. And uh, I just want to talk about them, but I didn't want to bring them up totally. Yeah. Because there's episodes. And then uh, two other honorable mentions, Jarrett, are It, which I thought was quite good. And uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99, which I also thought was quite good. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. So uh, number five, Jarrett, uh, was End of Tour. Oh. The David Foster Wallace movie for me. Uh, mine are ranked. Uh, yeah. This one is probably as high up as it is because I just watched it a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I still, I'm still thinking about that movie. Jason Siegel's really good, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped up, man. I'm absorbed in this stuff now, so. Uh, I really like that show. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I'm really glad. I mean, the only reason I watched this movie is because I started like reading up on the A24 stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this uh, I think this movie, I I think I would ever gave it like four out of five stars, but uh, it's a yeah. movie that like I've probably, of a lot of movies, it's one I've thought about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it, it didn't make my top five, but like- but it's like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm and I'm glad you mentioned it because it was, mm-hmm. it's a really good movie. Uh, Jason Segel is amazing in that movie. It's be- his best performance. Uh, Jason Eisenberg mm-hmm. is terrible, but it works in that movie and it doesn't derail things because Segel's so good. So yes, thumbs up, thumb up, baby. Yeah, it's creep approved. Creep approved. All right, what Get. do you got? Get. Girl. Uh, my next one up. <clears throat> uh, I have to go back to actually talk about the plot more but uh italian crime movie caliber nine what uh, that is what is that i talked about it and you sounded actually enthused about watching it but you never uh 
followed up and borrowed it from me. But so this movie's Good. 1972 uh, plot. Just out of prison, ex-con Ugo Piazza meets his former employer, a psychopath uh, gangster, Rocco, who enjoys sick mm-hmm. violence and torture. Both the gangsters and the police believe Ugo has hidden $300,000 that should have gone to an American drug syndicate boss. Uh, so this movie's just about a guy uh, who, uh, I guess he's played by Gaston Mochin. Uh, I'd never really seen him in too, too much stuff, but he's, like, great. Uh, this movie is like a perfect encapsulation of everything I want in an Italian crime movie, but I never wind up mm-hmm. getting. They always seem to be like too long or make really goofy decisions. This movie, though, is like nonstop. All the characters, there's tons of good characters everywhere you look. Um, yeah, it was a total surprise how much I liked this movie, and it finally like uh, delivered on the promise of what these movies could be like. Because most of the time, they're always just like something off. But this one actually was like, wow, this is what I am looking for. Mm. So, yeah, Caliber 9 was pretty, pretty good, RJ. Yeah, uh, it sounds cool. Maybe I'll follow up on it this time, but I probably mm. won't. Yeah. You, well, you've got uh, a lot of stuff to watch, RJ. No, I don't. <laughs> I have no backlog in my queue. You don't have stacks and stacks of movies. <laughs> Maybe you have stacks and stacks yeah, of movies. Yeah. yeah, how about that, friend? Yeah, yeah I hear that. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, number four. This one goes way back, almost a year ago. But mm. I was looking at, uh, I was looking at like what I rated highly in the last year. Yeah. And I was trying to think of like, because there's a lot of movies like I rated high. Yeah. Maybe, and I was like, which ones really, really hit my spot? You know. Uh, number four, Mighty Joe Young, <laughs> the funny. best King Kong movie. It's funny That's a. Well, why did you no, watch that? No, this no, week? no, I have not watched it yet. That is oh. though, though it's actually sitting in my cart currently on a ah. certain online vendor. I suggest you uh, you um, you run it, man. Buy that baby. Uh, I re- so I was looking, um, and you can go back to our Laserdisc King Kong episode. Yeah. I talk about it at length. I think there, but and you uh, say it's the best of the all the king kong movies essentially yeah it is even though it's not yeah. has, has, it's not king kong uh that movie's great man it's uh it's, it's personal it's emotional you get invested in joe it's good stuff that's a good movie yeah i uh, like it i, I think I, people should watch him well i have i have not watched it but i intend to because i kind of forgot yep. about it and then it popped up somehow and i was like oh yeah rj really liked that movie yeah i don't think it's um Harryhausen but someone yeah it is yeah Ray Harryhausen did all the stop motion stuff in that movie too and uh, the story that's what is really good about it man is this after I watched that after we watched all the King Kong movies yeah and uh near the end I was like oof I was getting like real real bored of it because like some of those movies don't try very hard Mm. and then with Mighty Joe Young you're like man they made a real movie here right they actually tried it's wow. like, and these movies can be really good when you try. Mm-hmm. So that's good stuff. Is that, that's my number is, four. is that a dig at Peter Jackson? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not his. Like, mm. fucking, I don't know, maybe Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. Talk about his one. No, oh. it's just there's so many of those and they're so lazy. Yeah. But whatever. Great. 
Um, so I also, so my number, I guess th- my third pick here would be, uh, the Japanese movie demons that I watched during oh, yeah. uh, Halloween. Um, just to recap, uh, so this is a movie from 1971. This movie is like obscure as fuck. So I don't know, maybe I'm trying to get some like real cred for picking something that's like impossible for other people to like get a hold mm-hmm. of. But I think I managed to like pull it off of YouTube and then I was able to find like uh, off of like that website open subtitles put them mm-hmm. all together and then watch them off my laptop um but yeah so this movie it's a, it's a samurai movie and i mean on this show it seems like when we've watched a lot of samurai movies i've been pretty like indifferent to them uh but this one is like it's borderline horror because like the mm-hmm. the, the gore and violence of it is like pretty extreme i think even for like maybe 1971 but it's like kind of they can go further because it's all black and white so mm-hmm. nothing looks that extreme but yeah it's just like this mean long nasty revenge movie um mm. and yeah i this movie's awesome uh, i and i again i wish this movie was available this is almost more of like i wish these movies were available uh, in high def so we could watch them properly yep. but caliber nine is on blu-ray which is cool but um, i'm not watching it jared <laughs> Quit, stop trying to make it happen all right yeah 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 uh, I'll look up Caliber 9 here, but uh, you know that Demons movie, dude? Yeah. Uh, I had that in my – I was running through my watch list a while ago, mm-hmm. and I have that like way, way back at the start. And I was like, oh, hey, that's that movie Jarrett watched. Mm-hmm. I was like, when did I put it in my watch list? Well, so if, when you do I, a, I don't even remember. Uh, you might have like done a search like on Letterboxd for like, uh, like highly rated horror movies because it because oh, this because this, pop, this pops up in that. But like I don't know, it's yeah. so it's so highly rated because very few people have watched it. But everyone who does rates it super high, and so yeah, it, it's just not really available, which is too bad. Um, but yeah, no, this movie's great. Uh, reminds me a lot of Sword of Doom, which is also really good. But yeah, people should watch it. Somehow. It's uh maybe it'll get a Criterion release one day. We can hope, or some other small whoever put it out, put it on a good copy. I don't care, mm-hmm. Criterion or not. All right, all right. Number three, RJ. Number three, uh, the Black Coat's Daughter uh-huh. by uh, my buddy. Uh, what's his face? Um, Oz Perkins. Yeah. Uh, so I was writing these lists, or like I wrote down like eight or nine of my favorite movies of last year. And I was looking at this one, and I was like, man, I really like that fucking movie. I don't – like, I remember it quite a bit. It's It's been a long time since I watched it. I watched it in, like, March or April or something. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I don't remember. It's been a while. But I was like, man, I like that movie. It was good. It's a good horror movie. Yeah. Because I like horror movies, despite what Jared says. And I like women, strong, independent women, too. I like them in my movies, and maybe that's why I like this one so much. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, Black Coat's Daughter is Wicked. It is, uh, it's very, like, subtle, and at the same time, there's, like, ultra gore violence, like, unexpectedly, and it's, uh, as we bring up all the time, uh, it's, like, creepy and, uh, spooky, but not, like, trying too hard to be creepy spooky. I was like, oh, man, this is a genuinely spooky movie. <laughs> And I like that. Yeah, I like I like getting spooked, Jarrett. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, this movie I like wa- had been on my radar because yep. that Elric Kane guy on another podcast had been talking uh, about yeah. it for years. It finally came out on disc. 
mm-hmm. you watched it right away, and you were like, Jared, yep. you have to watch this movie. You have to watch this movie. And I'm like, okay. And yes, this movie is very good. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, I think back when back when you first were talking about it, you were, uh, I think, talking about how it's like everything that Ty West wishes he could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. I, I think stand like, by that. Oz Perkins, like the two movies that I've seen of his now, this and uh, all the pretty things. Yeah, it's got that. I am title. the pretty thing that yeah. lives in the, your house. Yeah, that I movie, believe you still have to watch that as well. I will. Um, I will. But yeah, like this was, he definitely has a, a taste. And I think I remember like w- like ages ago mm-hmm. talking about Oz Perkins uh, uh, on that podcast, uh, and he just gets it's great interview and just talking about uh, his like ideas about like being a director and like how. When you look, when you're looking at a work and you're looking at what works for you or not, is like kind of a director's aesthetics and pacing and stuff like that. And like, I'm like, wow, like I've never heard anyone articulate it that well. And like watching his movies, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally down with this. I this really speaks to me. Uh, yeah, this movie's great. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like I was saying, it's what Ty West wishes he could do. Uh, he does like his at- the atmosphere he makes and the tone of his movies are Spook City, man. Spook City. Yeah, stellar. Uh, so my number two movie, I guess, is Room. Not, not not The Room, just Room from two years ago. Mm-hmm. That one. Uh, everyone's heard about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is a movie that uh, RJ had really liked a, f- a couple years ago when it actually yep. was talked being talked about. Now it's like now it's like yesterday's news, mm-hmm. which is how movies, this is what happens to movies now. Uh, but I kind of went into this movie, not like, again, it's actually another A24 movie and, uh, uh-huh. I didn't really have, I didn't know what to expect from it, but yeah, like it's always like a thing where, okay, the first half of your movie is going to be set in one room for, and that's it with like a couple characters. And it's like, that could go one of two ways. That could be really painful to watch if the acting is not good, just not interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, this movie is like super dynamic, uh, intense. I got so sucked mm-hmm. into it. It, uh, I cried. I was like, Hi, uh, my, my, nerd. My, my, my nerd, my, uh, I had sweaty hands watching it. Uh, oh, shit. it's just like, Oh God. So yeah, this movie yeah. is, uh, everything that it was kind of hyped up to me about being, which was mm-hmm. a pleasant surprise. It's always nice when a movie is like pumped up that much and it tr- actually delivers. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good movie. I'm surprised you like it because you're a bad person. <laughs> but it's it's good to know that there's there that little heart is still beating. That's right. Yeah. Hey, you know what movie uh, I got sweaty palms watching? What? My number two pick, Conquest of the Planet oh, of the Apes. Oh, I was wondering if that was going to come up. <laughs> yeah, number two, baby. Because you know why? Because that movie is dope. This movie is awesome. <laughs> uh, I love everything about that. I love... The labs. I love the prison apes. I love uh, the groovy, like seventies feel of that movie, yep. and the rebellion. And man, I don't know. I, I've we've talked to, at length about that too. But man, that movie's good. Yeah. I uh, I think it's better than the original, um, but I do think the original is very good as well. Well, so I hold those two up in high regard. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, that, that the original is such a like beautifully made movie yeah it's like it's such an iconic piece of science fiction uh mm-hmm. conquest i mean because like all the rest of the movies are like oh, like okay to that's fine to nah, mm-hmm. you never have to watch that again but you probably would if you were watching all the apes movies because they're at the end of the day yep. fa- fairly fun except for the last movie which is just kind yeah. of like, totally bad and skippable yep. um 
But yeah, yeah, Conquest is really great. It's the it's the second best movie easily. Yeah, it's yeah, called, absolutely. Because yeah, just I mean, for people who don't know, it just it depicts sort of the the transition period of like how did these apes wind up being used by humans, and it just kind of mm-hmm. fills in that gap that maybe you weren't asking, but it does it really well. Um, and it's got ton, like my favorite thing in the world is dudes in monkey suits. Uh, yeah, and, th- and this movie has that in spades. And then there's like violent revolution. There's no CGI. Mm-hmm. There's like flame wielding men in monkey suits. Um, yeah. I think uh, my favorite is just the intro where like that 70s music comes in and then there's just like 40 guys in monkey suits and like orange prison jumpers and they're like getting like marched down this huge uh, uh, this huge thing of stairs and then like they're walking down it goes on for a minute or two and then it's just like boom and it's like conquest Mm -hmm. like in huge letters and you're like yeah because you you strap yourself in you know you're in in for a treat. Yep. good stuff yeah very good movie uh so that leads to number one i guess uh this would be a crossover of like this film did come out in 2017 and <gasps> is on top no. of my list. yes rj and that is twin peaks the return ah uh, shit um i didn't uh put that on my list yeah uh well we we spent like 16 weeks of our podcast talking about it on our episodes as the episodes came out. Uh, So there's like, I don't know, at least a couple hours of us talking about Twin Peaks as we watched it live. Mm -hmm. I think we both, I think, liked it a lot. Um, I I think it's awesome that there's this like hilarious like argument amongst people about how it's not a film and shouldn't be considered that. Um, But I mean, there's like imagery in that series that will stick with me. Like like no other movie I watched this year, that be mm-hmm. like any even like the movies I mentioned. There's stuff about Twin Peaks that are just like everything I love about movies. Everything about love I love about David Lynch, faults mm-hmm. and all. Because it's like obviously it's like I would never say it's perfect. Um, there's stuff in it that just doesn't maybe work. But yeah. on the whole, that it's like amazing. I want I would love I I want more things like this. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, I don't I hear there's like people pushing like they really want a season four. And I'm like, nah. I don't think so. I think it left off on the this perfectly dark, cold, weird mm-hmm. moment. And I'm like, I want that just to be it because I just wanted to. Con- I want the weirdness to continue on and just be what it is. And mm-hmm. like, so uh, we haven't really talked about this because I don't think either of us wound up doing this. But there's been the. Um, I got the Blu-ray. I haven't gone into. Yep. The, I haven't gone into special features or deleted scenes or anything like that, just to see what else was out there for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been the books that Mark Frost wrote. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I read that. Oh, the think, uh, the the second one. Yeah, the yeah. the new one that came out this year. I read it. I didn't. Uh, I didn't love it. Uh, not because of the book, or not because of what it was. Just because of his his particular stand or his particular brand of writing. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of. But yeah, I I mean, I just kind of jumped to the parts I wanted to know about, and I was kind of like, oh, I wish I didn't know any of this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's like the one bit. I guess like when he talks when they talk about or when he talks about the Judy stuff and like the this idea yeah. of like creating a being, uh, and it's like okay, well, all right, that's interesting. Yep. I mean, it doesn't matter if you know that or not, but because I mean, mm-hmm. you can kind of get some sort of gist of that watching the show, which is way more interesting than what's laid out in the book. Um, mm-hmm. The you know, the Audrey Horn stuff is kind of left to be just like whatever. But, yeah. 
yeah, no. So yeah, Twin Peaks: The Return is is definitely the the best thing I watched all year. Um, and it's like it's like one thing I will go, come back to at some point. And yeah, like yeah, I agree much. with you. Yeah, that's uh, that's not my number one, but uh, that is. Uh, I I didn't even think about it, man. Hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I think you're right that that talk of is it a movie, is it a TV? It's like it don't matter, you guys. Just enjoy it. Yeah, it's just good stuff, baby. Why do we create weird rules for ourselves? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that that show is super good. Uh, I I um I endorse your pick for number one. Okay, but you know what the best movie last year was? What RJ? It didn't come out last year. Okay, but hey, you know what? I just realized. It's an A24 pick. Oh. Yeah, since we talk about them so much now. Uh, the best movie I, I saw all year. Uh, probably the best. Um, my cat just jumped on my table. Did you hear that? He sure did. Here, I'll, I'll put her outside. Hold on. <laughs> the suspense. What is number one? Can you guess what his, what his number one film of the year is going to be? Is it Slow West? Is it the captive? Hello. Hello. Yeah, I, I closed the door. Are you happy? Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I don't know why she's so worked up. She must. Uh, she agrees with my number one pick. Yeah, which is uh, Swiss Army Man. Whoa! Wow. You didn't see that one coming, did you, baby? Man, you know. So. Or did be, you? No, no, no. So before we continue, I remember when I yeah. watched this movie because I watched it before you, and I was like, mm-hmm. RJ, I think you're gonna love this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, but I did not think at that time that you'd be your 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 best movie of the year that you watched. It was on honestly, Jared. It was a toss up between this and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Hmm. And uh, it's like I was saying, uh, I watched. There was a lot of movies I had to pick from that I really liked. A lot of five star affairs. But uh, when I was looking at what I had down, I was like, man, when I watching Swiss Army Man really made me smile for like two hours. <laughs> I, I just felt good watching that movie. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's like, I, I doubt this will be the number one on any, anyone else's 2017 best of list. Well, so yeah. I might as well because <laughs> it, it didn't come out in 2017. Correct. <laughs> but uh, I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to this movie's not getting as much. Uh, love as i think it should so i'm gonna i'm gonna re-spark the interest man i know at least one listener really likes that movie as well so it's all it's all good uh, the movie's all that movie's really good uh the movie's awesome I, I, I can i mean i can i can understand why people wouldn't like that movie but yeah. at the same time it's like that movie's like pretty great and yeah uh, yeah <laughs> i i know some people who would equally not like people that have a very similar taste in movies that I do, mm-hmm. they would not like it, but that's fine. Right. Yeah. That movie rules. It's got farts. Um, <laughs> it sure does. Farts, butts, and dumps. Right. Everything you could want, man. So there you go. Sweet. Year in review. There it is. Uh-huh. Cool. We did it. And now on to 2018. Uh, hey, RJ. Did you do any creeping this week? Uh, I just did a little bit, a little light creeping, which I'll talk to you about. Okay. Um, which, which is actually good because we talked for half an hour about what we watched last year. So light creeping is good. Yeah. Uh, I've been busy. Me and Andrea got interested in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So uh, this really nice guy that I know um, lent me all his uh, Blu-rays of him. Yep. Uh, you you guys wouldn't know him. Uh, he's this nice person that, uh, um, that buys everything. You, 
that buys everything and lends it to me. But he's he's not affiliated with this show. <laughs> nope. Uh, so we've been watching. She's she got into it. So we're uh, almost done season three now. So that that took up a lot of my time over the break. Uh, before 2018 ended, though, I fit in a couple comedies. I watched uh, some Judd Apatow's, mm. uh, like The 40 Year Old Virgin, mm. uh, which holds up really well. Uh, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed watching it. Again, I was like, I don't know if I'll like it as much. It's been, it's probably been uh, four or five years since I've seen it. Uh, it. It's good, man. It holds up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't seen that movie since I saw it in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, nothing about it made me really ever want to watch it again, but I can see I, people I, probably, I can see that movie being in someone's rotation of comedy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. I would suggest, though, if you watch it, watch the unrated version, which is not available on Netflix. It's about 10 extra minutes. This movie is already long, too. It's like two hours and five minutes. What? Uh, it's, long. Oh. it's long. These Judd Apatow, wait till I get to the next one. Oh wait till I get to the next God. one. These movies are really long. So if you watch the unrated one, it's like um, two hours and 15 minutes or something like that. But it's worth it. Uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin holds up really well. Um, the jokes are still really funny. Uh, when Seth Rogen says, uh, "When there's a moment in that that I love," I say to An- me and Andrew say to each other all the time, where Steve Carell's like, "What if she laughs?" And he's like, "You punch her in the fucking head if she laughs." <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I think that's so funny, but it's it's delivered in such a good way. Well, it made me um, laugh. <laughs> yeah, what if she laughs at me? You punch her in the fucking head if she laughs. <laughs> Uh, Seth Rogen is really good in that. He's got a really subdued role. It was this was like his breakout, I think, as like Sideman before he got his own like yeah, his own. Because well, like well, he was a star. Yeah, because he was in he, Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, that was Freaks kind and of, Geeks, yeah. and uh, he was in Undeclared too, I think. But oh, hmm. I think so. Jason Siegel was at least. Yeah. But anyways, like this was like his big co-star role before he got his own right. main mining. But he's good. Paul Rudd is in this, who everyone knows I love. And Steve Carell is good. So uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin holds up very well. The only thing I would say is uh, they all, like, the whole movie is about, like, how he's this nerd and has, like, action figures and comic books and video games. And I don't know if it works as well now that yeah. that has been, like, assimilated into, like, popular culture. Yeah. But uh, whatever. So that movie's good. You know what movie's not good? Mm. Knocked Up. Mm. From 2007, Judd Apatow. Was that his follow-up to it? Yes, I believe. Yeah, unless, it was, unless Superbad was in there or something. No, he didn't direct Superbad. Or, that's like that whole nebula of his movie, of that yeah. world. So I, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, I'm looking at his thing. I think it was 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Funny People, oh. and then This Is 40, which is even worse than Knocked Up. Because oh. uh, it stars the same characters and stuff. So Knocked Up, Jarrett, is regular runtime in theaters, 130 minutes. So people <laughs> had to sit in a theater for two hours and ten I minutes. I saw that in theater. I don't remember it being that long. It's that long. Uh, so in every way that 40-year-old virgin holds up and is still funny, Knocked Up isn't. All of the jokes, it's like very um, – I don't know. It's super dated, man. Like the jokes aren't funny. Uh, the fact that you like know all of these actors so well now, like yeah. it's uh, Seth Rogen, Jason uh, Siegel, uh, Jonah Hill, Jay Burchill, um, 
fucking Bill Hader, all these guys. Like, like I think when you when it first came out, you didn't like you didn't know who Jonah Hill was. I don't think I didn't. Yeah. Like, uh, and like Jay Burrishell, like some people I knew him from Undeclared, but it's like I've never seen him in a movie before, and it was like kind of new and it was like f- funny. But uh, I did not like it, and for a few reasons. It's very long. The jokes aren't funny anymore. They were 10, 15 years ago. They're not anymore. Uh, the writing is really bad. And um, uh, the characters all suck, and they're fucking annoying. Uh, which brings me to Judd Apatow's wife. Uh, what is her name? You know the lady that uh, is in all of her fucking... Leslie Mann. So uh, I can't stand her, okay. and she's a big part of this movie. See, so the reason why I was thinking that uh, Superbad was Judd Apatow is because Seth Rogen wrote Superbad. Him and his buddy who write do all the writing now. Evan Goldberg. So anyways, Leslie Mann is in this movie, and she's really fucking annoying because uh, everything she does, which she does in every movie she's in, is like, don't you think I'm pretty? You got to tell me I'm pretty. Why doesn't everyone think I'm pretty? And it's like she says like stuff like that all the time. And like that's supposed to be the joke in this movie. But it comes off like honest. And it's just like, ugh, these are the kind of people I don't want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Very self-absorbed and whiny. So anyways, Knocked Up isn't very good. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I was I meant to watch a bunch of 50 sci-fi for this week. Yeah. Which I'm going to still. I think January is a good time for sci-fi because it's cold and you don't want to be alive anymore. Yeah. Just like space. Just like, yeah. Uh, so I watched a Jarrett pick last night. Oh, you did, did you? I did. I watched uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. <laughs> from, uh, was it 1950-something? Uh, something like that. 19, 1947, maybe? 51. 51? Okay. So I've never seen this movie. Uh, I've seen the remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you told me that this was an actual good, like a legitimate good movie. Yes. And I was like, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, like, uh, so yeah, I think my thoughts, cause I remember like when I said, you were asking me like, Hey, what are some good 50 sci-fi movies I should watch? And I was like, ah, oh, Dave, they stood still was my first one. And I believe you said, fuck Gort. I was, I was saying that before anyone else was. <laughs> Uh, so Gort is a word that I thought that I had made up, um, for the last 20 years. And then now I realize that, uh, Gort was the name of a character in this fifties movie. So I thought I was clever and original, but it turns out it's all been done, <laughs> but still fuck Gort. I, your, I came up with this that. This is word. your first, uh, rub with postmodernism, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this movie is uh, really good. I really enjoyed it because uh, I love aliens. I love space movies. Uh, and I think this movie is uh, very smart and it's super relevant and topical. Did you know that it's from the same director as Star Trek The Motion Picture? Really? Yeah. Uh, from what I've seen of the two, I think this one is better. Yeah, I'd agree. But uh, I, I can't say for sure because I uh, I haven't finished that Star Trek movie. Okay. Maybe well, one day. This is Robert Wise, who also directed movies like West Side Story and The Haunting. Oh, you know what else he did? Hmm. Curse of the Cat People. Yeah. A beautiful movie. Yes. Uh, so this guy's awesome. Uh, this movie uh, looks wicked. I love the design of everything, like yeah. the spaceship. It's so cool. The way it opens up and stuff. I love that. Um I like the idea of this movie where it's just like an alien and he's just like, he's like coming to see people and he's like, oh man, people suck. Mm. 
And then at the end, uh, he's just like, listen, stop being so shitty or I'll come beat the hell out of you. Okay. That's it. Like that's the whole, that's his whole movie is like, be good or I'll beat the shit out of you. And uh, I love that. Um, but no, it's good. It shows a lot of people's fears, Jarrett, and like xenophobia and, uh, fear against nuclear war and things like that. Um, I think to be honest though, like in all seriousness, this movie is like super relevant today, even. Yeah. And uh, I think it holds up well, pretty does, good. Does, does, man. It, does it talk about the size of your buttons on your uh, desk? It pretty well. Yeah. Like there, it's like people like that. They're like, I don't. It's like, well, I don't know why he's here. He must have something to hide. Like that. What the scene I really love is when he first comes off the spaceship. They just shoot him. They're like, oh god, and they like they like shoot him, and then everyone's like, well, he just like after he got shot, he ran away. Like that's not really a upstanding citizen. And she's like, what? But and then you realize it's like the the whole point of the movie is like trying to get this message across that like is against like those kinds of fears and like being irrational. Um, What does he say? He's like, I'm I'm impatient with stupidity, and he's like things like that. And you're like, man, they had it figured out in the 50s. Yeah. And then, like, you see, like, the stubborn politics of people. And then you're like, man, they really, they were, we were really on the right track. And then now it's like, oh, shit, we're worse than we were then. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we pay less taxes than we used to, am I right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the only, the last thing I'll say about this movie is uh, there's one line I really like when, um, the doctors like don't know how he's well and one doctor goes uh well i might as well get drunk and uh forget the practice of medicine uh and i thought that was really funny <laughs> i was like i've been there dude yeah so uh this movie is good it's very good yeah yeah it's a kind of a masterpiece i guess yes it is yeah so i got one sci-fi film in for you thanks pal yeah pal did you watch anything this week or have you just uh... been dumping yeah no i uh i watched a lot of movies this last week yeah um i rewatched the wallace and gromit trilogy of short films from the 90s or i guess god 89 was the earliest one have you have you watched wallace and gromit stuff before i would think i've seen most of it yeah so the first one's a grand day out which is about going to the moon because the moon is made of cheese uh, that one's like probably my least favorite cause it's very straightforward. Uh, not a lot of like great visual invention, um, mm-hmm. especially compared to the wrong trousers, which is the second one, which I like pretty well you could argue is like an animated like, ma- like masterwork. Like it's uh-huh. so well made. Um, cause like the, the real magic of like Nick Park's stuff is he approaches like stop motion or it's like stop motion claymation, uh, animation, mm-hmm. like like a real visual artist, like visual storyteller would, like a Hitchcock, like his, so his compositions and like dramatic storytelling are like mm-hmm. right, ripped right from movies, but he's applying that to this. And it looks inc- like it's so great looking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, this is the one that's about, uh, uh, Wallace and Gromit. They get like a pair of like trousers, these like gigantic, like he builds. Cause like, so Wallace and Gromit, if people aren't familiar, Wallace is this like British man and, uh, Gromit is his dog. And they mm-hmm. have they have adventures, and they're, it's very British. They just hang out, and they have lots of breakfast, and just hijinks ensues. Uh, this particular mm-hmm. one, uh, Wallace has invented this pair of pants, uh, and they are running out of money, so they uh, put out a thing for renters, and this penguin moves in. 
But this penguin has other motives going on. And it's like, I don't know, this is like all sounds like very stupid, <laughs> I guess, when you mm-hmm. say it out loud. But the way that they, you watch this animation, it plays out so well. And there's like stuff in this, you're like, man, this is gripping stuff. Like the, the staging of this like ridiculous train chase that's like in a living room is fantastic. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to because it's cartoons. Um, mm-hmm. Very cool stuff. And then the the third one's a close shave, which is it's about mm-hmm. uh, it's actually the introduction of Sean the sheep, uh, who's got, oh okay. That's where he gets introduced in this one, and it's about uh, sheep's are getting stolen, mm-hmm. and they uh, Gromit is the only one because he's the he's a dog who's smarter than his owner, which is a common trope in cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and Wallace is in love with a woman that looks just like him. <laughs> uh, Aww, is like the second best of these. So yeah, yeah, I mean, if you've never seen the wrong trousers, it won the Academy (laughs) award for best short animated film. Uh, it totally deserves, uh, it's really good. Uh, I'd say like someone that's like a kid or a teenager would love this stuff. Like if they watched it, um, But I don't know if like people don't really talk about like Nick Park stuff anymore. Like, cause like, he's got a like, movie coming out this year. Yeah, but so there was like that pirate movie that came out a few years ago, uh, mm-hmm. and they're like, I, I never myself never saw Chicken Run or anything ah, like that. You know who's the star of Chicken Run? Uh, not offhand. Mel Gibson. Oh yeah. <laughs> you should watch Chicken Run. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that. Uh, there's a few other yeah. Nick Park stuff in there, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot of kids, so I don't know if those kids are uh, checking out uh, <laughs> this stuff anymore. But I don't know. They got yeah. that. They got that high end CGI shit they can watch instead. Uh, this looks so much better. Yeah. Did you ever see that Curse of the Were Rabbit one other movie he did? Uh, it's also it on came Netflix. out a couple uh, years it's, ago. It's on Netflix. Uh, Is it? Yep. Hmm. I got I got it on my watch list now. But I've got other things I'll be watching here soon. That just yes. came in the mail. Um, <gasps> what else did I watch that I'll bring up? Oh, I watched this movie called The Servant from 1963, directed by this guy named Joseph Losey, who I've started realizing, I'm like, I've watched four of his movies, and I've liked mm-hmm. every single one of them. And so I'm like, hmm, yeah. maybe I should just keep watching Joseph Losey movies, because this guy, he made a lot of really good movies, like The Servant. So this, mm. this, this is a movie. Uh, it's a British film, and it just, like, talks about class structure uh here's the synopsis here a decadent london aristocrat hires a manservant to attend to his needs however the balance of power starts to shift um so with that very vague uh this movie's beautiful it's black and white uh and it's just like super well shot directed uh it's like that intense sort of drama thing between like two people uh that neither one really knows what the other one wants but one's like obviously a lot smarter than the other and it's just these small mm-hmm. little manipulations that are going on um and yeah like uh, this is like totally a Jarrett movie uh in a lot of mm-hmm. ways uh i love finding movies like this because i try finding them it's hard to f- come across them but this one right up there and it's like out of print and so luckily the uh university library has a copy of it that i was able to snag Mm. did you steal it no i just signed it out and then i returned it like how mm. libraries work well you said you snagged it so i thought you like yeah. popped in oh, a copy of x-men 3 shifted in my bank <laughs> yeah yeah swapped it out yeah uh-huh very classy i did not mm-hmm. do that though um i watched polytechnique the uh denny oh, new movie have that, you, that comedy 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so this movie, if you're not familiar with it, folks, uh, is a telling of the Montreal massacre that happened at Ecole Polytechnique School in Montreal back in 1987, 89. Um, so this is a grim piece of movie making. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of hate watching movies like this because they actually stress me out the way that like, so, okay, I was thinking about this while watching because to me, this is like a real horror movie. Because yeah. it actually depicts real-life horror. Um, I guess I react to this stuff more than, like, when people say, oh, I hate horror movies. Oh, I get freaked out. And I'm like, yeah, but they're, yeah. Like, they're not about anything. Like, whatever you want to say about, like, possession or whatever, it's like, I'm not ever like, oh, no, there's going to be, like, weird, like, symbiotic, like, tentacle beasts that get me. It's like, no, it's yeah. not going to happen. But there's a possibility that some kid in a parka with a, like, hunting rifle is going to shoot a bunch of people. It's possible. Um, that's like that's a way more po- stronger possibility than anything in any regular old horror movie. So stuff like yeah. this is gross, especially like I don't know. It really taps into my empathy card, which is like, oh, I hate it. I, I hate feeling for my fellow man. I want to feel disconnected, but like when you ground it mm. in something that's like really happened, and I'm like, oh god, this actually was an experience that somebody on this planet went through. This is gonna fucking stress me out, and mm-hmm. it did. Um, Overall, uh, it's a really good movie. Uh, Villeneuve doesn't botch it or anything Mm -hmm. like that. He doesn't screw this movie up. There's some odd choices that he makes where it's like he jumps around in the chronology, which I feels like that was like a thing that you did back in 2009 when the movie came out. I don't know. Like Elephant? Did Elephant jump around too? Yeah. Well, it it showed each character, right? But each character went through the day in a... In in like yeah. current time, but, right? But, so like they would overlap and yeah, but the climax is all kind of came at the same time, like right? Like it's been it's been forever since I watched. I it can't remember, but yeah. yeah. So like stuff like that, it's like yeah, these like uh like one of the ones that I'm like always like Ugh, is United ninety three, uh the one about the plane nice. getting hijacked. That movie just like it's also yeah. like oh god, people went through this and they're dead, and it's like this is what happened. They're just they don't exist anymore. So yeah. it, it takes a while for me to like get to these movies because I'm always like, okay, I got to be in the right mood. And then from what I heard, uh, his uh, follow-up movie to this, Incendies, is also like really dark and kind of like almost too dark of a movie. Uh, uh, a Sandy <laughs> is uh, super dark and depressing. Um, <laughs> a ghoul like you will probably be okay. Yeah. Uh, because like – it's not a true story. I mean, I'm sure something like this probably happened. Right. But uh, I remember me and uh, like Andrea and I, we there were it used to be a pub that would show movies, and uh, we went there one night, and uh, this was my first uh, taste of Denis Villeneuve, because oh. uh, uh, the month earlier they showed um, Marwin Cole, that documentary. Yep. And uh, we both really liked that, and we're mm-hmm. like, well, they're like, nice. And it's like, we'll come back here, or whatever they show next. And it was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went in, and we left, and uh, we were, it was a silent car ride home because we were both just like, oh. yeah. yeah. He's like, don't mm-hmm. touch me. No. <laughs> you, you should watch that. I bet okay. you would like I, it. I have it. It's like, it's, yeah. I'll watch it eventually. But... It's good. It's just mm-hmm. dark. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. speaking of like dark movies that are ghoulish that I enjoy – RJ, oh, I watched Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine. Nice. I mean, I'm I'm highly invested in uh, your review here. Okay. So uh, there came a point watching this movie about like I don't know an hour twenty minutes in when it really clicked with oh. me that this is just a Sin City movie. This is like a Frank Miller <laughs> comic book because yeah. so like the first hour 
and this is like a kind of the similar thing with um, uh, Bone Tomahawk, Tomahawk from old S. Craig Zoller, same director yeah. here. The first hours of his movies are like kind of not great. They're they're very slow in a way mm-hmm. that like these like kind of grindhouse sort of throwback movies are thinking they want to be. It's like it's all yeah. set up and it doesn't it'll like make the horror that comes later pay off more. Um, the problem with that though, and I wrote this in my review of it, is that his movies are really kind of poorly shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when I watch his stuff, it's like, so when you're like watching a movie, that's kind of a slow burn and it's all set up. You're like, I'm just paying attention to the visuals. The movies mm-hmm. look like shit. Like, I don't know, like the color grading's bad. The, the composition cinematography, storytelling stuff is like very bare bones. And it doesn't mm-hmm. like, it's not interesting. And so like on top of the fact that like, Oh, it's just a bunch of characters talking and setting up what's going to come later. It's kind of like, Oh, I really am noticing the fact that this isn't really a great looking movie. And it's got the same cinematographer uh, between the two movies. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's directing the next one with Mel Gibson. And yeah. so I'm like, oh, great. This movie, like, why? Get, get like someone really good. Because uh, when it gets to like the, the, the meat of these movies, which is what mm-hmm. he's heading toward, that stuff's like so great is for, for uh the violence uh <laughs> the, the grit the grizzleness the absurdity like because it, it's like these movies depict their violence in a realistic way but it's cartoonish yeah. too because you cannot take any of the violence in these movies seriously like between yep. t- bone tomahawk and this like there's just things that happen to the human body that like yeah i guess that's what would happen but i don't think it would like quite look that clean <laughs> the way that they're showing it on uh, the some of some of his bone breakings get a little messy yeah um <laughs> so the layout <laughs> this movie for folks this is a story about a guy played by vince vaughn he's kind of uh-huh. like he's, he, so he's like marv from sin city he's this yeah. giant towering man who apparently like is like immune to pain he doesn't like feel pain the way that regular human beings do. <laughs> and he's like six foot five and he's super strong. And they demonstrate this in this offhanded way where like he finds out his girlfriend's been cheating on him and he just sends yeah. her back into the house. And instead of like hurting her, he just like beats the shit out of her car. And I mean, like he like punches the window out, but rips his the fist, hood off, rips the like, just like pulls out lighting and like just tears off the hood just beats the shit yeah. out of this car. I've seen a really good gif uh, where it's like uh, Ryu beating up the car in the Street Fighter uh, mini game. Nice. Uh, yeah, so there's that. So that's like kind of the first really crazy moment. And then after that, uh, he's like, well, I just got fired from my job being a tow truck driver. I'm going to now go be a drug runner <laughs> and deliver mm-hmm. drugs, which is what you do. Uh, he gets sent yep. up on a job by his boss to go with these like uh, Mexican dealer dudes, and they're bad. He sees it coming that this isn't going to work out great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't. He goes to jail. He gets sent off for years. Of course, his girlfriend's pregnant, and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. But, of course, uh, this this when he got arrested, things didn't go well. He killed some people he probably shouldn't have and now it's going to turn into a big revenge story against him and now he's in mm-hmm. prison and he's got a basically his family is now threatened uh and he's got to brawl his way through the prison system uh brawl. and uh yeah so you get sequences uh involving mm-hmm. lumbering giant vince fawn just <laughs> beating the shit out of people uh, for like an hour, essentially, it's like not. Yeah. It's not a nonstop action movie, but fuck. When they get to Cell Block ninety nine, I was mm-hmm. laughing so much in that in my mirthful way, where I was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And then they're like, "Oh." Then there's things like, "Oh, there's glass on the floor." It's like, of course yep. there, of course there is. Um, yeah. So th- th- this movie uh, scratched that itch. 
Um, yeah. As far as like just watching horrible things happen entertainingly, it's a what I I could see people like being like kind of whatever on this movie. It all depends yeah. on like what you watch movies for because this movie at the end of the day is kind of like about nothing in particular um it's like i think i saw some people like get mad like kind of like one snooty review was like somehow this movie like it looks like crap which i kind of agree with but it's like this like mel gibson school of like violence for the sake of violence Uh, violence. no but it's true right because it's like but that's what you like yeah by by saying that's not true but if you don't like that yeah you you won't like this movie at all but if you're like into like violence and grimness and just like what could happen to the human body in like this super machismo sort of way for all in cell block 99 is like a great example of that yeah mm-hmm. you see why i like it now yep oh yeah totes yes yeah. totes uh were, were there any moments where your mouth was just agape at uh vince vaughn's breaking of bones uh, I just, I mean, I just laughed. Like, I just like, I, like, I think Whoa. the one that I was gross though is, uh, it's either where he's fighting the dudes in the yard and he's breaking their bones or maybe it was like the first guard that he fights and they have their boxing match and oh, then he yeah. just like breaks his arms out. Oh yeah. It's pretty gross. Yeah. That, that's and like, that's like kind of, yeah, that's a pretty mild one. Oh no. You know what mine, <laughs> mine was is, uh, the dra- when he drags that guy's face across <laughs> the floor with his foot, yeah. his, uh, his power move his like, his like go to his finisher. Yeah. Yeah. Is the, the stomping on yep. people's heads yeah, into get, the ground. Yeah, yeah. You get three variations of that move in the movie. Um, yeah. 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 The drag one. Yeah. I bet that's where they got the idea for their next movie. Yeah. As Craig Zoller was like, Hey, I could make a movie called dragged across concrete. <laughs> yeah. You know exactly so, what you're going to get yourself into. So yeah, that movie that movie was uh, fun. It's I mean it's also fairly long too. But uh, like there's a point like once they get to prison, this movie like takes off because the first yeah. everything before that is just like nothing special. Um, but yeah, when they get to prison, it becomes my my cup of tea, which is prison movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I rewatched The Fellowship of the Ring. Nice. I watched that on New Year's Eve. It's uh, a good way to ring in the new year, buddy. Huh. What do you mean, huh? Ring in the new year. Oh, shit. You didn't even know what you had there, buddy. Yeah, gold. Gold. Gold, Jerry. Gold. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't seen this forever. It's been a really long time <laughs> since I've seen this last. Um, so, watch the extended edition, which I think is the only way anyone watches these movies now. Yeah. Uh, it's one of Chanel's favorite movies. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, no, this movie, what can you say about it? Uh, it's, I have lots to say. I, I bet. Uh, I don't know. Like there's like even like the things like I would maybe criticize, which is like some of the CGI looks a little janky now. But you know what? Some of the practical effects in King Kong look a little janky too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so when did this movie come out? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. So it's seventeen years old. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring. I think I've said before. Uh, it is legitimately one of my favorite movies. Like maybe number five of my favorite movies. Uh, I saw that, I think four times in theaters when I was 11. Uh, I think even sentimental attachment to it. I think it is a genuinely great movie. Like it, I think it flows so well. They did so much stuff. So, so right in it. Uh, by the way, I just finished reading fellowship of the ring Mm -hmm. for the first time. And, uh, that has given me even more appreciation for the film. Right. Uh, I've never read, uh, well, I've read the Hobbit, but I've never read the Lord of the Rings books and reading it now. Like you can tell Tolkien knows what he like wants to say and stuff, but I feel like he sometimes gets 
distracted on things that he thinks is important. Like uh, the book is 400 pages long and by page 250, uh, they haven't even gotten to like, uh, like when they have the, the meeting, like the, where they make the fellowship of the ring, there's like 80 or there's like, I don't know, 120 pages of them still in the Shire. And uh, there's, like, no urgency to it. Like, after Gandalf finds out it's the ring, he doesn't come back for, like, 10 years or something. And it's just like, oh, man. So it's, like, certain things like that that I feel like in the movie like is, like, you made the right choice, Peter Jackson. Like, you like you really feel, like, like I said, there's an urgency. Like, it's like, holy shit, we got to do this, like, right now. And, like, the way certain things happen, uh, I think the movie's even better now having read the book. Yeah, like, just the feel of that movie there's like it, it it feels like a real deal movie and yep. i don't know if that makes sense it's like yep. as opposed to a, a fake deal movie uh yeah. it's yeah no it really feels like everything's in place the music the the, the mm-hmm. way everything's shot uh nothing feels rushed um like everything in the shire is like oh this is all necessary it's like a slow thing of like hey this is like life before wartime and like this mm-hmm. is like this is the thing we have to protect and then um yeah, it just kind of just goes from there. Yeah. Uh, God, I, I mean, I've I've never been a super fan of the books. Um, sure, I, I think I've only ever read Fellowship, and then mm-hmm. I just kind of like stopped caring. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, which is like I haven't even watched the the Two Towers yet or uh, Return of the King. Chanel went ahead and just kept watching them. Which is I would have too. But uh, yeah, you got to crank through those. Hey, by the way, did you know? That today is J.R.R. Tolkien's birthday. I did not know that. He would have been a hundred and or it's his hundred and twenty-sixth birthday. Huh. Well, yeah, I'll so. be. The more you know, man. The more I know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm trying to think of like the, uh, the one bit that always like makes me go, oh, I look so dumb. Is the uh, the eagle rescue? <laughs> yeah, but. It- <laughs> I, I people hate the eagles in those movies just in general because they look like it's, they look poor yeah. and uh, I mean yeah I don't know it's very like crappy looking but I love it. but everything about like the actual telling of it um, yeah. Elijah Woods pretty good he looks great as uh, mm-hmm. Frodo uh, yeah the cast is like pr- like pretty fantastic all. Um, yeah. v- Vigo, Vigo uh, is good. Oh, good. oh actually, yeah, the other thing, I, I'm just gonna throw out criticisms just cause because these movies are awesome. They're like it's as mm-hmm. good as Star Wars. Like it really, it's, it, it's a one. Of those, I think they're better, but continue. I'd say I don't know. They're more important to me okay. than the Star Wars movies. Yeah, so you, let me phrase it that way. Yeah, you, you they're your yeah. favorite because you saw them. Like yeah. the way you saw them, right? It makes total yeah. sense. I'm just thinking, like in terms of like what came out of the Lord of the Rings movies that like got, that made things better. Like did Lord of the Rings improve like filmmaking? And I don't think they did because even like Peter Jackson never got as good as this ever again. Like he's made only bad movies yeah. ever since George Lucas. I mean, arguably I mean, George Lucas made bad movies ever since Star Wars though. I mean, he was never, he never got better, but like yeah. the actual state of like the art special effects and stuff like that, like his impact was so huge. And mm-hmm. I guess like there was like, Oh God, what the hell are they called? Effects people on uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, uh, like wait, Weta? Weta, yeah. Weta. I mean, wh- yeah, those guys fucking blew up. Yeah, but I'm not sure what they do now. Like, they're kind of invisible. Uh, they come like, here a lot. Gave us, they, they came here. They did. Yeah. Uh, old Andy Sedaris. 
He's still active. He's probably the most like active person out of out of these these fellowship movies. Andy Circus, you mean? Circus. Oh not Sedaris. Andy Sedaris is the hard ticket to Hawaii guy, you fucking nut bar. Yeah, and, and not Andy <laughs> not there's like the author I'm thinking of too, who writes his observational humor books. I can't remember. Oh yeah. Zacharias? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Keep going. To talk, keep talking about Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. Uh yeah. These, <laughs> I think the funny. I, I was sending you memes, and you were sending me gifts and whatnot back yeah. and forth the night I was watching it because this movie is just like evokes so many emotions. There's so many great moments. Yeah. They all look good. Um, did you ever? Did you ever cry watching Fellowship? No. <laughs> you know what scene gets me, man? <laughs> it's 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 like a one second scene. It's very brief, but every time, man, it gets me. It's right near the end. When the uh, the orcs and the orukai are there, and uh, they go and they get Sam and Pip, and one of them grabs Sam or Pip and kind of like he's like holding them up, and then he's getting dragged away, and the sun is poking through. It's beautiful, man. Okay, it's one of the most beautiful things put on film. Mary and Pippin are very borderline annoying. <laughs> they are, but uh, <laughs> that that scene is still emotional. Uh, oh, and uh, yeah, so the, the the worst scene, I messaged you about this saying this is yeah. the worst scene of Lord Fellowship of the Ring, is fucking old Sam, Sam Gandhi, yeah. fucking wading out into the water, come Frodo, oh, and he's going to drown, and there's just this bad faux drama about the fact that Sam's going to drown, and I'm like, no, he's not, he's fucking not going to drown, there's like what? no, there's not a second that you believe it, and then, oh, Frodo came back and saved him, what a what a great friend he is, I'm like, yeah, he saved his friend from drowning, like, whoop-de-doo, what? Why? What, why? What did I tell you when you you sent me a gif of that? What did I tell you was the reason? Hey, what's is that in the book? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. He does, but it's like two sentences. Yes. Sam like swims out and then he almost like drowns and then Frodo pulls him out. And he's like, I almost drowned, Mister Frodo. <laughs> Goddamn fucking Lord of the Rings shit. Um, so Roger Ebert, I went back because I was like, this has got to be on Ebert's great movies list. No, yeah. he gave this first movie three out of four stars, and he was that just like, piece of shit. Well, it's it's really funny reading his things. So, you know, this movie is like it's post Matrix, and now they're they're taking this like low key like kind of like pastoral fantasy novel and turning into an action movie because he's like mm-hmm. the balrog scene in the uh, book is like a mere oh. 500 words and now it's this big action sequence and i'm like yeah because it's a fucking movie yeah like, <laughs> because you can visualize something yeah and he, like from and, print and that's like and it's amazing the the balrog yeah. looks so good it like so I, I mean as a man that's on record complaining about cgi fire and stuff mm-hmm. it this it, the cgi flames in this look so great uh yeah. sauron is awesome i love every time like all that so my favorite thing in like even in those shitty hobbit movies mm-hmm. uh is the back history stuff at the beginning of the movies where they yeah. do like a history of and they do the stuff i love that stuff i just want to i want a super cut of just those scenes because those are the best parts of all these movies i, I love world i love um, world building world building like that but it's like oh this is like but i mean fuck i mean lord of the rings is the the top of the pile of world building because it was built up from J.R. tolkien's notes it's ridiculous yeah. uh the other thing while i was watching this movie i was like online looking up all like who's this character what is this because uh cause it's like yeah. what is gandalf and i was looking up the mayor and all the valar did, and all the did you watch Melkor. that video i sent you no i didn't wa- wind up watching it i still have it uh in my history it, that it gets it's you. super informative man it's like four minutes long. There's two or three of them, and that guy does deep dives. They're called it's CP Gray or something. Yeah, he does like uh, 
he looks into it's like the Sil- Silmarillion yeah. and like the back like the mythology of all of it. He's like, what are people? What are or it's like, what are the elves? What are the wizards? Right. It's good, man. Everyone should watch those videos. They're wicked and wicked informative. Nice. Melkor. Melkor. Uh, yeah. All right. So that's it for creeping. Uh, you got any news for us, RJ, before we move on? <laughs> Hey, I got news since we brought it up before. Did you see that uh, Netflix announced today that uh, their all-time banger, Bright, is moving forward with the sequel? No shit. <laughs> and uh, they announced it in a very weird way. It's it, uh, a video of two orcs uh, talking about how they want to be in the sequel. So I'm guessing they filmed – so I, I have some thoughts. I'm guessing they filmed this when they filmed the movie because Netflix put a lot of money into this. So they're like, we're making two. It doesn't, or like, we're making this a series. So they announced that they're going to do it, and the video is really, like, corny. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be in a movie with Will Smith and uh, stuff like that. And they actually, since you brought it up, uh, they're talking about it. It's like, it's kind of like Alien Nation, but with <laughs> but fantasy. They bring, or like with orcs or whatever, they, they bring up Alien Nation in their thing. So here's the big thing, though, Jared. They're moving ahead with the sequel, but... They are leaving out one key, one key person. Willie, Mr. Max Landis will not return to write the sequel. <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> Someone at Netflix was listening to this podcast. Um, apparently, though, uh, they paid him three and a half million for that first script. So I think no. that's why they they're like this is, I, I feel like they put a lot of money into it so they want it to be a franchise but uh obviously they realize it's like maybe that first one didn't work so David Ayer is just going to write the sequel. So Max Lenz has got to be like the most well-known scriptwriter in Hollywood right now, right? I think he's the highest paid because even the movie before this he made 3 million on and it's it was like a it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting cuz it's like uh back in the 90s there was a uh, Joe Esterhouse uh yeah. and it was the same thing where he was like in like the Akiva Goldsman too. Like these guys were, like became like they they made sh- they wrote all these shitty screenplays but they were like the highest paid and people just like became like oh I fucking hate this guy and they just like zone in on him cuz it's like all this attention gets foisted onto them cuz they get paid all this money to like write really mediocre scripts even though like every day there's a lot of mediocre scripts that are being turned into movies all the time but these are the guys who get paid the most so they're the worst that's, mm-hmm. that's all i'll say about that it, it was uh american ultra yeah i remember it was unprecedented for a, a script to be bought for like three million or something right and this fucking piece of shit guy did it twice hey i mean Power I move. mean, like he, hey, he makes more money than I do. I can't argue with it. I just think yeah. he sucks. So. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, my bit of news is that uh, the next Cloverfield movie has been delayed for a third time. Still doesn't have a title. Did you hear, though, that it was supposed to come out next month? Yes, that's why I uh, I saw that on Box Office Mojo. I was like taking a look. I'm like, oh, what movies are coming out soon? And I was like, Clover Cloverfield movie? I'm like, oh, because like when 10 Cloverfield Lane came out, it was like kind of just sprung on people. So yeah. I saw this. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I didn't realize it's been delayed this many times because it doesn't seem like 10 Cloverfield Lane came out that long ago. But I guess <laughs> that's the idea is these movies are kind of fast and loose and they're just going to put them out and do whatever yeah. they want with them. Uh, Black Mirror style. And I, I guess know, whatever. I, yeah. So that's like, oh, I don't know what's going on, but I guess if you don't, if you're just like making movies really fast, one of the problems is that, uh, well, it's, it might not work out that great. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Hey, yeah. Whatever. Oh, well I, Hey, 
I like aliens. That's right. Uh, we'll see what this one has in store for us. Anyways, RJ, it's time to get strangled by weird brain creatures. Unfortunately. Cool. So we're going to talk about Fiend Without a Face from 1958, directed by Arthur Crabtree. After the brain. How's that sound to you? I mean, it's fine, whatever. I'm not leaving. I was a fiend. Before I became a teen, I melted microphones instead of cones and ice cream music orientated. So when hip hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzles, complicated. Cause I grabbed the mic and try to say yes, y'all. They try to take it and say that I'm too small. Cool. Cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull a plug, then I jet. Back to the lab without a mic to grab. So then I add all the rhymes I had. One after the other one. Then I make another one to diss the opposite. Then ask if the brother's done. I get a craving like I fiend for nicotine But I don't need a cigarette, know what I mean? Know what I'm I mean, raging, I mean. ripping up the staging Don't it sound amazing? Cause every rhyme is made in thought of Cause it's sort of an addiction Magnetized by the mixing Vocals, vocabulary, and verses just stuck in The mic is a drain, no volcanoes erupting Rhymes overflowing, gradually growing Everything is written in the code so it can coincide My thoughts are God 48 tracks to slide, the invincible microphone beam rock him, spread the word, cause I'm N-E-F-F-E-C-T, a smooth operator operating correctly, but back to the problem, I gotta have it, you can't solve it, silly rabbit, the prescription is a hypertone, that's heroin, I feed for a microphone, like heroin, soon as the bass kicks, I need a fix, give me a stage and I might get fixed. brain it's gone that's not all the entire spinal cord is missing what it's incredible it's as if some mental vampire at work does it come from another country or another world this terrifying menace that g2 must destroy before it's too late image is fading sir there it goes again same trouble how can they stop this invisible force whose only warning is a weird blood chilling sound Only two people still alive can help this agent find the answers. The girl who could be a spy, and the scientist who could be the destroyer of the entire human race. We're facing a new form of life that nobody understands. I believe it feeds on the radiation from your atomic plants, and that it's evil. to stop them. There's only one way to shut down your atomic plant. If I can get through, I can blow up the control room. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. Tonight, we're talking about Fiend Without a Face from 1958, directed by Arthur Crabtree. Uh, from Letterboxd, the tagline for this film, New Horrors, Mad Science Spawns Evil Fiends, 
taking form before your horrified <laughs> eyes. And the synopsis here. An American airbase in Canada provokes resentment from the nearby mm. residents after fallout from nuclear experiments at the base are blamed for a recent spate of disappearances. Uh, a certain f- uh, a captain from the airbase is assigned to investigate and begins to suspect that an elderly British scientist who lives near the base and conducts research in the field of mind over matter knows more than he is letting on. So, mm-hmm. Fiend Without a Face has just been one of those movies uh, on my radar forever and ever and ever. Um, I knew kind of like it had this strange title. I knew it had something to do with like brain monsters that like eat your brain or something like that. Uh, I, I didn't know really Go much on. about it other than it had like this odd title. I knew it was 50 sci-fi, but one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I was never really in a big rush to watch it is because 50 sci-fi can be pretty unspectacular. Um, it can be like just there. And when you're talking about paying those Criterion Collection prices for a movie, it's like, mm, do I really want to spend $40 US on a movie that I'll watch once in my life? Not really. But now, mm-hmm. RJ, in 2017, in 2018 now, uh, oh, shit. We, we live in a world where uh, there's like services through libraries where you can just stream movies mm-hmm. legitimately like this. Um and there's also podcasts that talk about Criterion movies in order of release, which is like, well, here I am watching Fiend Without a Face for the uh, very first time at long last. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. This movie is like pretty typical, I think, mm-hmm. of 50s science fiction. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of nice that we watched The Blob last week. We could have almost yeah. watched both these movies back to back because they would have kind of made for a good comparison and contrast of like the style of filmmaking which would be american sci-fi and british sci-fi mm-hmm. um because we watched, it would have but it would have uh but here we are but uh so yeah we watched why well, we you and i actually watched another movie that we didn't talk about and what we've been creeping on and that was yeah. uh, invader from mars and so uh-huh. that that is also a uh, uh an american production but i also watched another film called x the unknown uh, which is like a unofficial like second quarter mass movie okay. uh, for people who aren't familiar there's like this cycle of movies written by Nigel Neal uh, uh, who's like a big influence he's kind of like this pseudo kind of like Lovecraft for the science era British writer uh, who wrote, wrote mm-hmm. like strange weird fiction stories like the Quatermass was his character that he wrote but he has a big mm-hmm. influence on things like Prince of Darkness uh, John Carpenter stuff is very influenced by uh, Nigel Neal and um, this uh, X the Unknown was like supposed to be a another Quatermass movie but Nigel Neal was like nope and so the movie's like very much a knock off of it but watching Fiend Without a Face and X the Unknown like in the same week I was like struck by like how similar they were and they were both mm-hmm. British made by different directors and everything but it's like oh man these movies have the exact same vibe where the blob has this like teenager vibe of young kids that are like up to no good having fun fighting blobs uh, <laughs> in like a small town in America in the British films these are like adult feeling movies yeah. Um, they like they're about old people, like full mm-hmm. on adults, uh, and they're talking about things and trying to solve things very uh, rationally. 
rather than like a lot of like I don't believe this is actually going on. There's not a lot of that going on. It's more just like mm-hmm. it's, people don't realize what's going on, so it's the slow reveal of like what yep. the menace actually is. In X the Unknown, it's a giant protoplasmic kind of blob thing that feeds off of radiation. Uh, mm-hmm. And here with Fiend Without a Face, uh, made a couple years later, it's about an invisible thing, which is a very cheap way of uh, having to create, do a lot of effects work. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, this is a thing that's also feeding off of radiation. (laughs) Um, so anyway, uh, watching this movie, the first thing that struck me was the fact that this is taking place, uh, on a U.S. Air Force base in Manitoba, Canada, Mm -hmm. which is odd because I don't think that's a very common thing. Uh, Winthrop, uh, whatever it's called here in this movie is a place that does not exist in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just a climate. It's just a northernly looking place that they filmed in Britain. Um, and that's the setting of this. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking about watching this movie that like, again, I thought was just okay. Was, uh, there's like a good comparison between these fifties movies, uh, like mm-hmm. be it from America or from, uh, Britain where it's about films that also entrust in the government to do right by mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. compared to the eighties, which we see in the, uh, the blob, 80s sequel is that the government is not to be trusted at all which i guess is like a thing that comes out of like kind of the post watergate uh, mentality uh of questioning the government never trust them they'll do bad things to you those like mm-hmm. uh, agent orange and stuff like that they'll experiment on the people you don't trust the government ever and there's like a whole bunch of like reagan era uh horror movies that are just like the government is bad so it's always like mm-hmm. a fun it's, it's a fun thing i guess to go back and watch these 50s movies where it's like your only hope is to trust that the government will save the day because you as a citizen can't do it there's a couple movies that kind of challenge that like monolith monsters uh which is about a guy who's like the sheriff but he's like waiting for a government official to like give the okay on something and he just does it and then it, it turns mm-hmm. out to be okay in the end but uh anyway that's kind of like my my general thoughts about fiend without a face before getting into any other details rj uh you're no. a you're a sci-fi guy i know this movie doesn't have aliens in it per se but uh what did you think of mm. fiend without a face yeah i was hoping it was going to be an alien flick uh i didn't know too much about this i've heard about it quite a bit uh i've seen the cover quite a bit and brains uh squiggling around thought that was pretty cool uh so i we watched a, f- a bit of 50 sci-fi in the last week or two and uh there was like, some movies i really liked some movies i kind of liked and um then there's this one fiend without a face uh i think this movie is cool uh i think the first hour is kind of boring mm-hmm. the first hour is pretty uninteresting um now i don't know how it played out in the 50s but now it's like all this kind of pseudoscience stuff which like isn't without its charm right like Mm -hmm. i i I do like seeing movies where they're like oh well this is the kind of thing it's it's like the idea of the time and like even though now you're like well that's not really how it is but i'm not like a dink i'm not mad at this movie for being like well yeah that can't happen um so like it it's cool that you see that and there's so much of it, but the movie itself is kind of like, I guess the way you described it where it's like a adult, it's like grown up because it's a lot of people just talking about like what's going on, um, which is like fine too. It's just, it's not, it's not super stimulating, uh, for the first about hour. 
And then in the last 20 minutes, uh, they crank this fucker up to 11. <laughs> and there are like spine brains just fucking flying, man. And they're making the, the squishiest, like, uh, squishiest sounds. And uh, it gets like ultra violent for a little while. There's dudes like axe and brains into the ground and like you shoot the brain and then it makes this sweet bubbly squishy sound and it's like covered in jam. And uh, I was just like, whoa, I was like, where did this come from in this like movie that was like more concerned about like uh, dairy production and cows and uh, like radar uh, um, like the how far radar can go and stuff like that. So like, I think this movie is kind of a mixed bag because like, it's not, it's not bad or anything like that. I just think the first hour is a little bit under it's, it's not super exciting. Mm -hmm. And then in the last 20 minutes, there's like all this super cool brain stuff. And you're like, yeah, man, that's wicked. And like, I I think there's something to say about that too, where it's like they save it for the end and then maybe it kind of has a bigger impact. Uh, one thing I was going to say, uh, I feel like the, the cover to this movie kind of blows that, uh, blows that a little bit where, uh, cause you don't see them at all until right at the end when you see that yeah. it's like a brain and a spinal cord. And I actually think they look really cool, yeah. but, uh, like I, I knew what to expect because I've seen it like on the cover so much, I guess, but I don't know. Like, Okay, so it's it's not bad. I think it's a little bit slow in the the first uh, first good two thirds, and then the last bit uh, picks up some steam pretty good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is like very like I'd say middle of the road as far as like the fifty yeah. sci fi stuff I've seen. Uh, but I mean, there's not as many of those movies as you would think there are. I think we saw some lists the other week and uh, there's like, what, like 168 movies that were made, which is actually quite a lot over the course of like a decade. Um, But a lot of that is like some real cheap, cheap stuff. And a lot of it's just like people go to space and that's it. Like there's nothing Mm -hmm. really, like no cool monstery effects or anything like that. They're just movies with like, here's women from Venus (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and that's it. So this one's at least got some nice little... uh, monster creatures um let's see here got some here some real hot fresh notes off of wikipedia oh dear uh the screenplay by herbert j letter was based upon amelia reynolds reynolds amelia reynolds long uh 1930 Mm. short story the thought monster originally published in the march 1930 issue of weird tales magazine uh, noted science fiction personality collector and literary agent Forrest J. Ackerman represented mystery mm-hmm. and science fiction pulp writer Long and brokered the sale of her story, The Thought Monster, to the film's producers. Uh, I'm just, you know who Forrest J. Ackerman is, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, anyway, so uh, screenwriter Letter was originally set to direct the film, but being American was unable to obtain a British work permit in time, so Crabtree replaced him as director. Thompson later said that when the director showed up on the first day of shooting and looked at the script, Crabtree claimed it was not the film he'd been hired to direct, as he did not do monster <laughs> films. Uh, so after a heated argument with the producers, Crabtree left the set and did not show up for several days. In the interim, Thompson himself directed the film. Uh, so that's cool. So, I mean, that might explain sort of this weird kind of indifference that a lot of the movie has. Like, mm-hmm. no, people didn't want to direct this movie. <laughs> and so it's yeah. like, how invested can you be? Because I'm sure the person who did, like, the effects work uh, mm-hmm. probably was super into this movie. But, yeah. I mean, 
it is what it is. Uh, apparently, the reason why it was set in the, with a Canadian setting was because uh, it would appeal to both American and British Commonwealth movie audiences, being a British film. And it would be like, hey, look, it's a colony. Isn't this more interesting to you <laughs> that this could happen in a colony? Is that, like, is that like a way to be like, look, you should care, but at the same time, don't be scared because it's not happening to you? Yeah. Uh, one thing yeah. I didn't notice, and there's a note here, because like, apparently they use a lot of, uh, they, they try to use uh, expat American and Canadian actors that were living in the UK. Oh, uh, but yeah. But there, there were some, uh, some British actors that were dubbed uh, into American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How about that uh, French Canadian accent? Since that comes up a lot on this show. It, yeah, it's a real theme. You, you know what I was thinking? Like, I saw I was in Manitoba, and I was like, Manitoba, eh? And then, uh, like, the first 10 eh? minutes is all about cows. And I was like, cows, eh? Because it's like, apparently, so we've had two two Criterion movies that have shown Canada. They've both shown cows. So I don't know if it's that or if they caught wind of our show and how we're the Criterion cows on right. other times. And they've retroactively added it to these uh, films. They special editioned it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I noticed that too. But yeah, that one guy's French accent. Did you did you hear that that I, one guy? I, I might have glossed over it. But, it's uh, it's almost non-existent. Yeah. But at the same time, he's like, know what I'm? Or he's he'll talk to you like this, and then Adota. It's like he like does stuff like that, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like he he really tries. It's it's worse than GSP. Oh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, speaking of like those during those shots of like the the fields and whatnot, there's like. One beat I liked about this movie was like kind of uh, those like shots of the planes flying overhead, and it was like yeah. oh, it's like the looming, hulking war machine that just like passes you by on your everyday life, and that's the kind of mm-hmm. world we live in now. And it's like back then it was like wow, that's like frightening because this is like post-war UK. And it's like oh yeah, they actually did have like you know waft yeah. waft flying overhead, bombing the shit out of them, and now it's like mm-hmm. oh, there's our boys, but obviously this is Canada. But mm-hmm. same idea. Oh, let's see here. Some notes about the stop motion animation. Uh, this was an unusual practice for such a low budget science fiction thriller of the era. The director of these effects sequences was uh, Florence von Nordorf, while the uh, while the actual stop motion was done in Munich by Nordorf's partner, special uh, German special effects artist K. L. Ruppel. Peter Nielsen headed up the British practical effects crew. See here. Ooh, this is kind of a neat one. During July 1958, uh, Fiend Without a Face first opened in the United States at the Rialto Theater in New York City's Theater District. The film's producers placed an outdoor front of the house exhibit uh, near the sidewalk that showcased a living and breathing fiend. In a steel barred glass display case, it periodically moved its spinal cord tail, startling onlookers, and also made menacing sounds with the help of a concealed electrical device. The crowds that gathered to watch the caged fiend grew so large that New York City police finally ordered the display case removed because it was creating a public disturbance <laughs> fucking squares yeah that sounds super cool that's it's, it's why good. don't people do stuff like that anymore yeah. uh i don't know Oh, actually, I think when that warhammer movie came out i think there was a giant hammer crushing a cab in new york work that's pretty fun warcraft oh yeah warcraft okay. not warhammer warcraft 
five months later, Fiend Without a Face created a public uproar after its British premiere at the Ritz Theatre in Leicester Square in London's West End. The British Board of Film Censors had demanded a number of cuts before its release and had finally granted the film an X certificate. But newspaper Dang. critics were still aghast at its horrifying special effects. Questions were actually raised in Parliament as to why British censors had allowed Fiend Without a Face to be released. Notably, what is the British film industry thinking by trying to beat Hollywood at its own game of overdosing on blood and gore. So, as you were talking about earlier, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the the first, like, hour or so of this movie is, like, whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it's very stock. You could switch it out with any other movie of its era, and you'd be like, yeah, yep. nothing, nothing's lost uh, other than, like, Lady in a Bath Towel, which they really, like, they make sure that's on the movie poster. Uh, they mm-hmm. really want you to know, hey, this lady, she's going to be coming out of the shower wearing this robe. Uh, yeah, just this towel, and that's uh, Kim Parker. Sexy Kim Parker, fine looking yeah. lady. She's also in another sci fi movie called Fire Maidens of Outer Space. Ooh, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, and that's a movie about like women from Atlantis on a on the moon, 13th moon of Jupiter. Fuck, that sounds awesome. We should have watched that movie. Yeah, well, Criterion hasn't delivered on it yet. Um, so yeah, there's that. There's this one note here that I'm like, I can't remember what it was. That Oh, that Gibbons whale. Man. So there's like, is there a bit with a monkey <laughs> or a guy? No? Is there a guy? There's like a weird part in this movie where a guy just gives out this weird scream. And it's like, what the fuck? It's like the weirdest sounding whale. Is that like when, is when the guy gets hit by the brain, right? Maybe. I don't even remember what that note was. I watched this movie like a week, like, like almost a week ago, and I've watched so many movies in between. I'm like, what even was that scene? I didn't watch it too long ago. I don't really remember. Uh, oh, here's a note. Uh, I guarantee you there's no such European-looking crypt in a Manitoba graveyard <laughs> like there is in this movie. Oh, fuck off. Who there, said that? Me. There's no... Come on. There's a bit where like, yeah, so our, our, our generic leading man guy, he goes down to this <laughs> crypt, and I was like... I was just watching it and I was like, wait, this movie is set in fucking Manitoba. It's like, there's no way they fucking built this like in the frozen ground of fucking Manitoba. And it's just like elaborate because it looks exactly like it's, it's just like Europe or whatever. It's like, no, they, they did not build this here. Like it's well, Jarrett's because they were looking for a mental vampire. Did you forget? Did <laughs> yeah. you forget that little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I also really like, uh, now that I'm on it, where they're, like, talking about the science of what happened to these people. And they're, like, their entire brain and spinal cord are gone. They just, they're, like, it's just gone. And it's, like, what? Because they're, like, there's no marks on them except for one little hole in the back of the neck. So, I mean, it's pretty ingenious uh, and cheap as fuck to make your, your, like, monsters invisible for most of the runtime. And then all you're doing is, like, all right, clutch your head in pain. And they they go, ah! Like, anyone could do that. It's it's, it's fantastic. It's good, but then uh, it's like we are saying, the last 10, uh, 10, 20 minutes, there's, like, so much work put into the actual monsters, so... Well, oh. not like work, but it look it looks cool, man. Yeah. Like oh. with the brains climbing the trees and jumping the, at people. The, the, well, the big siege at the end, where they're just like taking yeah. axes to the brains and just blowing up brains and shooting them up. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. really pretty cool. Uh, it's I mean that's like the only thing worth recommending about this movie is like the final ten minutes. Final ten minutes. That, that, that big yeah, the big action scene there. I agree because um, the, the rest of it's very much a slow burn, and there's like. Yeah. There's like no great cinematography. There's not a great score. 
other than the, a really cool title in the last 10 minutes, it's just kind of there. Um, yep. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I said a note here. Hey, Hergy, how does the science hold up in this movie? Because I, I suspect it's specious at best. Well, Jarrett, as a individual who holds a master's degree in uh, neuroscience, mm-hmm. and uh, in case you were wondering, that means brain science, uh, this movie is almost 100% accurate. Yeah. Are, uh, like, are, are brains really that delicious? They are. And there is a reason why uh, we study them um, to harness their sh- their sheer savory goodness. Um, but yeah, you can liquefy it and just suck it out through a hole in your neck, like whatever. It's not like the spinal cord is attached to like every nerve in your body. Hmm. No big, no big deal. <laughs> um, another note: since we we're talking about remakes last week with the Blob that has not yet materialized. Uh, yeah. On on March twenty second, twenty ten, Roy Frumkis confirmed to Fangoria magazine that he planned to produce a remake of the film in two thousand eleven. So Roy Frumkis, his biggest claim to fame is he did the um, Dawn of the Dead, or uh, the it's like the big documentary on George Romero called Document of the Dead that he filmed okay. while doing Dawn of the Dead. So I mean, okay, so documentary filmmaker really likes this movie and wants to remake it. Sure, sure. why not? Uh, the online yeah. website Dread Central offered an October 2013 update from Frumkiss on his Fiend Without a Face remake. I've wanted to do this film for 40 years, so I already had it all in my head, and it wasn't hard to write. What I didn't have was the technical information. I'm no science buff. Now I'm interviewing scientists, getting the technology straight. It's set in a think tank in the Berkshires, and it's not about young people. It's a mature film, but it has a street trash sensibility, so the people who like my work will not be disappointed. The website also posted a still from a fundraising trailer that Frumkis had shot for the remake with director Franco Frassetti. As of December 2017, that remake has yet to materialize. Um... What is he? I want to know what what scientist he's hanging out with uh, to get the real science because that's the fucking job I've been looking for, man. <laughs> yeah, you'll be the fiend without a face consultant. Yeah, I'll be like, listen, man, brains are spooky. Let's spook this shit up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what my degree was in, Jarrett. Spooking up brains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, who hates? without a face i don't know if it's a movie that's like worth hating but uh Uh, i'm sure there's some asshole who hates this thing cosmic century one and a half star just some 50s b movie madness nothing to see here move along Eh. uh andy two stars this is on criterion why too much bland filler not enough killer brain c minus i don't know if andy understands how c minuses work because that's still a it, passing grade. Two stars is not. You know what I I fucking hate about Letterbox. Now that we're on it, yeah. People who give number ratings and letter ratings, it's like why why give it both? Be- yeah. Like because it's either the same thing or it's it's either whatever letter grade you give it is the same as the number grade you're giving it, or it's different. And it's like if you're, it's the same, you're being redundant. And if it's different, why have both of them? Just do one. Right. Fucking ratings are stupid. <laughs> they kind of are. Keep going though. I'm. Oh, yeah. I'm I got. Yeah. I got one. Uh, another uh, irregular uh, hater, Ben DeBono. Uh, two yeah. stars. The last fifteen minutes with the creature is really entertaining. The first hour when they're invisible is doll is watching paint dry. Mm. I wouldn't go that far, 
but no. you know, I mean, it's fine. It's not like super exciting, but no. I wasn't like, like remember when we we're talking about Quiet On, and I was talking about how for the last like half hour I was just staring at the ceiling. Yeah, I wasn't doing that in this movie. Yeah, so it's it's boring, but like whatever. At least at the end you get cool brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll read one person, one who loves this movie. Uh, th- this movie's only five star review. Nice. Five stars. Ronnie Boy, 1776. Watched this during their October movie watching. Finally saw this classic, loaded with drive-in wonderfulness, the sci-fi horror flick that combines telekinesis, nuclear fear, and creature feature bandits has to be one of the best schlocky 50s horror flicks I've ever seen. The only drawbacks is the, well, everything worked out perfectly tone of the last minute or two of the flick, but this is compensated for by the absolute best 1950s sequence of gore that I've ever seen. Well, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's like I do like those squishy brains. They're pretty cool. Yeah. I'd have to figure out, go back and see what are like the gory movies of the fifties to see how this one compares. It would definitely be in the list just for that little bit. Um, yeah, there's, there's that one, but I think it's uh, from nineteen sixty or maybe nineteen fifty nine. That Eyes Without a Face that you so desperately uh, watch. Well, whatever, man. That's not even the worst like thing I've ever done, dude. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so as I've alluded to a few times here uh, on the last couple of weeks, uh, RJ was very excited that he was finally going to be able to watch Eyes Without a Face this week. But uh, at some point, and I was like, uh, you know, we're watching a movie called Fiend Without without a brain right or without yeah, a face right it's what brains you're like what really and i was like yes and you're like you were really kind of disappointed <laughs> well i bought that fucking movie like three years ago and then and i and then when we started doing this podcast i was like all right well i'll watch it it's not that far in the criterion <laughs> I, I think it's like 200 maybe yeah, i don't it's, know it's a ways away whatever jared you, you could just watch it no I don't want to rewatch it. I want to watch it once for the show. Okay. See, you see, you see what he's like to me, people. <laughs> I for one one time I get excited to do this show that just brings so much pain to both of us. The one time I get excited and he just shits all over me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you talk to all my friends, they all be like, "Yep, that's Jared." It's that's pretty. That's ac- Jared. Pretty accurate. Just shits all over everybody. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like a cow. Like like a cow. Yeah. Very good. Uh, any other final thoughts here on this Fiend Without a Face? Um, eh, not really. I mean, it's fine. Did you want to talk at all about Invader from Mars? Invaders from Mars? I for, Yeah, I realized we didn't talk about it. Uh, I liked Invaders from Mars a lot more than this. Uh, I thought Invaders from Mars was actually pretty good. I liked the, having like the kid who... Like, he was smart, and it wasn't that adults didn't. Well, they didn't like the the doctor believed him, and then I did like how in that one, like uh, the adults actually did come to grips with it. They're like, "Oh shit, there is spacemen. Let's go get them, bastards. They must be from Russia." Uh, I thought it was cool, man. I like the idea of walking all the people walking to the hill and falling in the hole, <laughs> and uh, like I thought that was like nice. And the mutants. The um, mutant, uh, mute ants, mute, mute yeah. ants, mute ants, mute ants. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, the brain thing was really cool, and the mute ants, uh, mute ants. Uh, I thought they were cool too. So, Invaders from Mars was good. The only thing I didn't like was uh, the last five minutes. They do a playback of the entire movie, 
and you're just like, come on. Well, we all and we all knew it was heading toward, and it yeah. was all just a dream, and that's like the worst shit ever. And that was like a real common yeah. thing that they did in like the 40s and 50s. Because I just watched a movie last night, RJ, that had the exact same thing, and I was like, oh come on. Hey, you you know what? Just to change the subject for a second. <laughs> you you know that Avengers movie that's coming out next year? In Infinity Infinity War? Yeah. I have a feeling you never watched Doctor Strange, but uh there's like the time gem is in there and they like reset time a bunch. I have a feeling, Jared, I'm calling it now that that movie they're going to do they they're going to like be killing people and everyone's going to be like, "Oh shit, Marvel finally got balls." Like DC had years ago. And then, uh, and then it'll end, and then it'll get reset, and they'll be like, "It was all a dream." Yeah, well, they have to get to the the classic shot of Thanos standing over everybody's fallen body with a Spider Man in his arm, like or in his in his hand by the throat. Yeah, That's, but it, then it'll all be a dream. No, uh, yep. And then who cares? <laughs> and then who cares? Uh, yeah. So Invaders from Mars. Uh, it's like I don't know. I was like pretty like getting tired by the end of that movie. It yeah, it's very wonkily paced. Uh, there's like some interesting things visually in that movie, like all the it, it feels like a children's book version of reality yeah. where like they go to like the police station and like there's n- the walls are blank. There's like nothing mm-hmm. on the walls. It's just like empty spaces and characters just sitting at desks. The way that like if a, yeah. you ask a kid to describe uh, the world, it would look exactly the way that a, a child would describe it. Very right. like just stripped down, which is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, it's a lot of setup, just like this movie too, where it's like, okay, there's like something going on. Uh, there's actually some good stuff. The stuff with da- with the dad, when he like is, <laughs> has obviously been like uh, taken over by the aliens, he just yeah. turns into this real fucking 50s asshole dad. And that stuff he, is... that, that He's was... backhanding kids. He's telling women to go shut up and do the cooking. Mm-hmm. It's fucking nuts, it's, man. It's what we call the good old days. Uh, that, see? He said it. <laughs> he said it, you guys, not me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, then, yeah, the, 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 the green head at the end is like neat, but it doesn't really do much. Uh, no, I, he just kind of, he looks at, he looks at things, he looks at people. Uh, I guess now you'll have to watch the Toby Hooper, uh, remake. Uh, I will next, uh, next Halloween. Okay. Although I hate Toby Hooper. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I'll admit curiosity got the best of me. And uh, I I pulled up the page to his movie, and I saw the giant brains, mm. and I or whatever the giant brain is, and I was like, ooh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Aliens, RJ. Aliens, man, they're yeah. the coolest. Well, I hope that you continue watching more 50s sci-fi movies in the next, in the coming weeks. I think um, I will, and uh, I will continue. I'll, I'll be watching uh, film noirs because that's what I do in January now. I guess. Uh. I'll talk talk about those next week. Uh, I think that's it for now, though. Uh, Mm -hmm. After the break, uh, I'm going to drink RJ's brain and spine out his neck with a straw. You were going to say butt. No. Well, I got news for you, buddy. Better men have tried. Yeah, no no felching, sir. Sisters, I want his back, I want his back. 
RJ, with your stance toward animals and animal cruelty, are like brain <laughs> monsters alien? Like, are they animals? Were they? I would. Were they mistreated? Would, all life is precious, Jarrett. Well, it some, must. Some yeah. life more than others. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I was, I'm not gonna finish. I'm just. All life is precious. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us how life isn't all that precious. It's mm. all over the place. Hey, we got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Uh, we got that Patreon. Uh, we're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Next week, it's a doubleheader, RJ. Spines what? 93 and 94. Uh. Powell and Pressburger are back in the house. We got Black Narcissist from 1947, and we've got I Know Where I'm Going from 1945. Are those good or? Uh, Black Narcissist, I've seen, and that movie I remember being pretty, pretty amazing looking. I and I think it's also a pretty good movie. I Know Where I'm Going, I've never seen. So we're Who going are to- these guys? Why should we care? The directors of uh, The Red Shoes. Oh, nice! Yeah. All right. I'm, all right. You like those Powell and Press Burgers? Yeah, I did like that movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, here here we are watching those, and then the week after that, another double header. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Good night, folks. Eh.